Hey, y'all. How's everybody? I wanted to preach from the floor today, if that's all right. Put a stool up here for looks. All I need is a Starbucks coffee cup, and I got it going on, right? How's everybody today? This week is Thanksgiving week. Y'all sound excited. I just thought you say Thanksgiving. Somebody who liked gravy would have got happy, but I guess y'all are eating keto and all that fun stuff. Yeah, keto, whatever. You could cheat this week. You can eat. You can eat. Amen. I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 15, today. Luke 15, 25 through 32. We're going to read, and this is actually the rest of the story of the prodigal son. We always focus on the prodigal son, but there's still more to the story. And I want to use that today just to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. All the stuff has happened. The son has come home and it says, meanwhile, the older son, say older son, was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother was back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating of his safe return because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one goat, one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, notice how he says that. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Not just the inheritance, but everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Today, I want to speak a message to you in the finale of our legacy series, Who Do You Want to Be? Who do you want to be? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you for this time that we are gathered together this morning. And I just pray now that the Holy Spirit would fill this room. Lord, that up and down every aisle of this place, that you would move on every heart. And Father, that we would be able to see and hear this message. That it would not just be informative, but it would... Be like revelation, opening our eyes, changing us forever. And Holy Spirit, I ask for your help to speak this message today. Father, let me say this the way you want it said. And let every word, God, that comes out of my mouth today, God, be anointed by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, this is the rest of the prodigal son story. Real quick, how many of you, you have siblings, you have brothers and sisters. How many of you remember when mom and dad were away, there was always a power struggle. Who's in charge? Who, who was the person in here who just thought they were always in charge when mom and dad left the house? Was that really the truth or were you just acting that way? 
Because I was second out of four boys, and I just assumed that I was in charge because I'm like that. And my older brother had problems with that. And then I have a brother younger than me. He always had a problem with that. And then I had the youngest brother, who is the caboose, like we call him. And uh, he thought he was in charge. And there was a power struggle. Any, any sibling rivalries in the room? You know what I'm talking about? Just, it just It's part of the territory. And there's some pretty good little scuffles. And I remember my dad saying, whatever you're going to do, do it in the yard. Just don't do it in the house. Don't get blood on the carpet. And my mom, she was like, don't fight. You know, and so... I bring that story up today because if we're not careful, we read these Bible stories out of context. And we just assume that everybody is just good people because they're in the Bible. And that's what I really, really appreciate about the Bible is that God didn't just put a squeaky clean version together. That he put the real stuff in there. Aren't you thankful? Because some of us, if we read it, we would say, I can't read that. That's too good for me. And there's some people in there. How many of you, you read the Bible and you're like, thank God I'm better than them. Am I right? I mean, you read about Judas and you're like, I'm better than this guy. I mean, I, I mean I'm crazy, but I ain't betraying Jesus for money. I mean, I might walk away, but I'm coming back. Judas, that dude had a problem. And so you read the Bible sometimes and you see these different characters that are in there. And because it's the Bible, we just automatically assume they're good people. But there's some, some, some people with some people problems in the Bible that we can learn from. And this is one particular because what should have been a pretty incredible event has turned south. It, it doesn't look as good as it needs to. And so just to give you a little context to back up, maybe you're not familiar with the prodigal, prodigal son's story. It's a story of a father who had two sons. And um, one son, he went ahead, listen to this audacity, he goes up to his dad and asks his dad if he could go ahead and get his inheritance. Like, not even wait for dad to die. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? Hey, dad, just give it all to me now. And I think as a father, I would just have a lot of questions right there. Like, I mean, what is this, son? I mean, I'm not a money factory, you know, the old saying, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, you got to say that at least once in your parenthood life. Uh, and so this father, though, decides, okay, I'll go ahead and give it to you. I'm not sure what parenting class he went to at what church he was attending or what financial class told him it was a good idea to do that, but he did it. I mean, maybe he saw that uh, there were some things in his son that could make some money off of this inheritance. But either way, this son, he takes his inheritance, and instead of investing it, he squanders it on wild living. He begins to party. He begins to live a life that he wasn't supposed to live, and now he's losing all of his money. He's lost everything that he's had, and he hits rock bottom, and he finds himself uh, as a beggar living in a pig pen trying to steal the food that the pigs eat. Now, I need you to really get a hold of this story today because, like I said, storybooks, the pictures do not do it justice. The reality is this guy has, has gotten so low that he's stealing food from animals. That's a low spot. I know a lot of people, I've never seen anybody that low before. I'll be honest with you. I've never seen it go that far. And this guy, he, he's literally eating out of a pig trough. And one day he has this idea. He comes to a census and he says, you know what? It would be better for me to go home and just be a slave to my dad. I could just go home and work just to get food. That would be better than the life I'm living. 
And so he decides to return home. And so as he's heading home, you can read this story. I mean, it's in the Bible. I love it. In Luke 15, where the father was waiting for him to return. Now, if there was no form of communication to let dad know that the son is coming home. So that leads me to believe that the father had some anticipation that sooner or later his son would return home. And he was looking for him in the distance. Evidently, he had to be doing this daily or else this guy was just really good that he chose that one day to be looking out there. And he sees his son in the distance. And you can go read it in Luke 15. It says he literally ran towards his son. He was awaiting his arrival. And when he sees his son, he brings him home and says, it's time to celebrate. My son who was gone, who was lost, is now found, who was dead, is now alive. He says, listen to what he says. He says, put a ring on his finger. Evidently, the ring that he had representing his sonship, he probably sold. Brought it to the pawn shop, sold it because he needed the money for his lifestyle that he was living. But the father says, put the ring on his finger. The robe, he, no telling what he was wearing. No, I mean, we really have to have some context to understand that. If you're eating out of a pig trough, you're probably not dressed the best. And so he says, quick, put a robe on him, kill the fattened calf, call for a feast. We're going to celebrate because my son, who was dead, who was lost, is now found. He's come home. The father has been waiting for this moment. And finally, it's happening. And they're celebrating. They're rejoicing. And some of you are like, oh, we got conversations to have, boy, before we do anything. And I would say this. The conversations will come. But right now, we need to celebrate because evidently this father has been waiting this, waiting for this for a long time. But this brother, this brother had a a pretty good problem with this. I love this story because it pictures redemption. This story, I'm, I'm serious, that phrase, welcome home, no other story can, can, can frame that phrase as good as the prodigal son. Because the father is literally rolling out the red carpet, welcoming his son home, and it's this awesome story of redemption. But not everyone felt this way. See, this older brother was angry and said, I'm not going to the party. Now, I want to jab right here a little bit. Can I jab a little bit? Because there are people in here today that aren't going to some family gatherings. Y'all want me to get back on the stage? I might need to for protection here. <laughs> he didn't want to participate in the gathering because he was angry. Who was he angry at? Was he angry at the brother? Was he angry at the father? I get the feeling he's angry at both. He's angry because the brother took off. Can you imagine what he said when his brother left? Who's going to help me do all of this around here? Come on, if you want good sibling rivalry, just give kids chores. Give them chores. I mean, I do everything around. I hear my kids say, I do everything around here. Like, no, you don't. You emptied the dishwasher once. Just a little tension, a little rivalry. It's amazing how redemption in one person can bring out celebration, but in another person, it could bring out anger. Do you know that not everyone was excited whenever you decided to follow Jesus? 
My dad had family members that were not excited for the day. He chose to surrender his life to Christ. When he chose to quit drinking, become a family man, work on his marriage, and raise good kids. There were people that were upset with him for doing that. I remember as youth pastor when kids who were strung out on drugs, just doing the wrong thing, would come to Christ and start attending the youth group. Parents were losing their mind because why would you ever want to become a part of something like that? And it was just mind-blowing. Like, are you serious, mom and dad? Like, what are you smoking? Right? Like, this the greatest thing that's ever happened for your child, but because it might intimidate you spiritually a little bit, it would be better for you to send your child right back into captivity that they were in so that it makes you feel a little more comfortable. Woo, man, Jesus, take the wheel, okay? How many of you have heard about Kanye West lately? Well, a little controversy right there. Listen, you know something's going on when Kanye shows up at Joel Osteen's church. I know there's some of you in here, you don't even like Joel Osteen. And I'll ask this question, who do you like? Yeah. Because here's a guy that's evidently surrendered his life to Christ and is now reaching people. And now people have formed an opinion that he's going to lead people astray. I promise you that there were people that thought the same about the Apostle Paul. Because if you recall, he was killing Christians. He was setting up persecutions. Like he was, he was orchestrating all of it. And then he has this encounter with God. And now he's following Jesus. And God's like, hey, this is going to be my instrument. This is going to be my mouthpiece. And now he begins to preach. And people were skeptical of him coming to speak anywhere near them because they thought it was a trap. They thought he wasn't legit. They thought he wasn't real. And listen, I'm not endorsing Kanye in any way, shape, or form, but I am endorsing redemption and what God can do in a person's life. And at the point that we feel like we've reached perfection, then we can begin to judge others on their salvation. Amen? Just feel like we needed to say this today because sometimes as believers, without realizing it, we become the older brother. Without realizing it, when, when it could be a moment of celebration, we can't celebrate because we're analyzing all the different pieces and parts of it. And if it doesn't line up with our, and I'm not even going to say theology and doctrine, if it doesn't line up with our opinions, then we question the legitimacy of it. Come on. And this is scary because I believe there are some incredible things that are happening in our lives that are going uncelebrated because of our skepticism. Seriously, there are things happening in our own home. Like, imagine this. Imagine a wife praying for her husband, and he begins to follow the Lord, and he begins to do things. Well, her first thought may not be, praise God, he's changing. It's like, hmm, he's just making up for all them times he didn't do anything. y'all know somebody like that? Not you. I know it's not you, but you know somebody. How many of y'all know somebody else like it? Just raise your hand and make yourself feel good about somebody else being that way instead of you. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Older brother syndrome. Let me give you some characteristics of the older brother syndrome, okay? Resentful instead of rejoicing. The older brother was resentful when his other brother came home. 
He was resentful. He was mad. The father is like, God is answering my prayers. And the brother's like, what's he doing here? God is answering dad's prayers. That's what's happening. And that's tough because when there's rivalry, when there's questions, when there's protection involved, like I want to protect my dad from being hurt again by my brother, and God's answering the prayer to bring him home, there's a conflict there. Come on, are y'all following this? Let me say it like this. When we become more comfortable calling out a problem than we do giving God praise for changing it, we've developed the older brother syndrome. Let me say that again. When we become more comfortable calling out the problem than we do giving God praise for changing it, that's the older brother syndrome. And this stuff leaks into the church. Why? Because people are there. This is how we are wired because there's jealousy, there's envy, there's all forms of sin, and really the root of it is sin. This was an answer, though, to this father's prayer. His son was coming home. It's something that one person's answered prayer can become another person's all-time problem. Think about that. Here's another one. Comparison instead of compassion. Comparison. Where we begin comparing everything. Having compassion on someone, watch this, is seeing them through the eyes of the Father. That's the only way we're going to have compassion. How many you you see things and it just makes you angry? Like when you see injustice, it just makes you angry. When you see things that are going on, it makes you angry. But I want you to know, some of those very people that God that, that make you angry, God loves them. God loves them. In fact, the person that we have unforgiveness towards, believe it or not, God loves them. The person who has hurt you, God loves them. And that's so hard for us because we, we, we want them to be loved by God. We just want to make sure that it's not too much that makes them feel like they can get away with what they've done. And so what do we usually do? We begin comparing so we can be justified. We compare what they've done to what we do. And that's what's going on in this story because the older brother is saying, look at me and all I have done. I have slaved for you. That is some strong language. He's telling his father, I've stuck with you. I've been slaving for you all this time. And you never even recognized it. He couldn't celebrate because he was trapped in comparison. He was so comparing who he was to his brother. In other words, I'm so much better than him. And yet you never ever do anything for me. And now he comes home, you want to do everything for him. And I know there's so many perspectives. Some of you analyzing this and say, well, we need to sit down and talk with the Father about being fair and being even. There's a lot of discussions to be had here. But the first discussion that has to start is where's our heart at? Where we can't even celebrate redemption. It's trapped in comparison. Comparison is the trap that keeps you from seeing who you really are. You see, we're so focused on what they do. We can't see who we are. We see all the things that they're doing, and it leads to the point that you misinterpret. That's why he said, I, I, what am I, just a slave? This is how he saw himself in that moment. Compared to my brother, you're making me look like a slave. And the father wasn't doing that to him. This was the result of his comparison. And let me just say, whatever comparison trap that you're in, when you begin to compare, you immediately begin to belittle yourself or inflate yourself. And the root of it is either fear or pride. 
It's either fear that I'm not good enough or pride I'm better than them. And it goes both ways. And this is something that begins to eat away at us. And we have to be aware of this because these are going to be the very things that keep us from celebrating the goodness of God. We, he couldn't celebrate what God was doing in his brother because he was caught up in a comparison trap. He was afraid that if he celebrated him, he would give him approval. But then he was so prideful because he knew he was better than his brother because he's never done any of that. And yet it was keeping him from being a part of the celebration. See, comparison is such a trap. And if you've been caught up in a comparison trap, it literally will hold you bondage until you say, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, is not going to determine how I think or who I am. Got to turn it off. He forgot that he was a son and saw himself as a slave. He forgot that this was his brother that his father had been praying for. His father had been waiting for it. He forgot this. Why? Because of the comparison trap. Here's another one, another sign that we've developed this older brother syndrome. We become more accusing instead of affirming. Always looking to find fault. And I've seen it, like, like with the Kanye West stuff. There was a church back at home in Louisiana, just down the road from where I grew up, and they had Kanye West come in. And I'm telling you, the comments that people were making about them, I'm talking about church people, were unbelievable. Seriously. Like, I want, let me give you a little context. Let's say you have been praying for your son who's been away from God to come back to Jesus. And it's been years. So you invite them to the Christmas Eve service. And they come to the Christmas Eve service. At that moment, you're having, like, revival. Am I right? You're like, praise God. My son has finally decided to come. And somebody comes up to you and says, you think it'll last? I don't endorse fighting, but I do have a feeling that somebody's going to have a flashback and say, I'll see you on the playground. Imagine that. I mean, the audacity of saying something, and this, this is the context I'm trying to give you today because this is what it feels like is happening in this story. That point where we can't even see that it's a God thing because that's not happening according to our preference. And therefore, if it's not my preference, I'm not going to participate in any of it because that's not God. That's not how I think God works. Well, that's not how we work. But God is good. And God is good to people that we would not be good to. And you know how we know that? Because God was good to us. <laughs> Come on. God was good to us. Instead of laying out the welcome mat for his brother, he just threw him under the bus. That's what he did. Instead of saying welcome home, he was like, this dude, who does he think he is? Notice in verse 30, how he, when he's speaking to the father, how he refers to him. He says to his dad, he says, this son of yours. He doesn't say my brother. He says, this son of yours. You ever heard a parent say that before? Like a husband and wife trying to handle their kids, trying to discipline them. Your kids are acting up. <laughs> like when your kids act up, it's your spouse's problem. You know what I'm saying? It ain't yours. These are your kids. <laughs> no longer saw him as the brother. This is the son of yours. He wrote himself off as a brother. He just felt like he was better than him. How many of y'all can see what's going on here? 
And you could see how this can creep into our lives, creep into our families, creep into our church. I don't mean to make it feel so heavy, but I do feel like this is something we got to talk about because I know this is real. I know these are going to be some of the very things that will keep you from going to family gatherings over the holidays. You know that. See, I want you to be thankful. But can you be thankful that that one person in your family who everybody labeled as crazy decided to participate in the family once and not unload the 14 years of stuff that you've been wanting to say on them in the first 14 minutes that you see them? <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Some of y'all are like, we should have left to go out of town earlier. Okay. So here's the question, though. Seriously, who do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the older brother? Like, think of this. Is this what you're going to be remembered for? I had an uncle. I remember every family gathering we ever had. He would come to the gathering, but he would never come inside. He would stand outside the door. I'm like, why are you here? Now, he would smoke his cigarette out there all the time. My grandparents wouldn't allow that. No one would allow that in his house. But it's like, if you're not going to come in and participate in the party and the celebration... What are you doing here? I don't know if it was like just to get half the guilt off your shoulders or what, but he would just show up outside, stand around, smoke a cigarette, drink a beer, and after it was all over, get in the truck and go home. Last one to get there, first one to leave. Anybody else got somebody like that in their family so I don't feel so awkward up here? Okay, one more person. All right, we crazy. And you know what's interesting? Whenever someone mentions their name, his name that's what I immediately think about him. That's become his legacy. Like, that's what he did. That's who he became. And that's why I bring this up, because who are we becoming? Who are you? As a believer, as a church person, who are you becoming? As you're growing in your theology and in your doctrine, who are you becoming? Because it's very easy to allow the years, the experiences, the education to build you up to the place that you're full of pride and you can't even see that you've become like this. And without realizing it, everybody else sees that this is who you are. But we don't even see it in ourselves because we feel like we're better than them. So let's break this down. Who do you want to be? I think the first thing, we want to be grateful. Amen? Be grateful. I think gratefulness is a meter of our heart. Like it's, it's, it's showing you where your heart is. And when we, can't become, when we can't be thankful, we're prideful. Like think of this. If we can't be thankful for all that God's doing, we are so full of pride. I, I, this is what blows my mind. People are just trashing Kanye. Kanye. He's reaching like thousands of people for Jesus, and that person trashing him never even told anybody about Jesus before. Like posted something on Facebook once. And they want to trash the guy that's leading thousands to Jesus. Like let's be grateful that God saved the guy, and he changed the lyrics to some songs, and instead of singing about ungodly things, he's singing about godly things now. Amen? Amen? And let's let God protect people. Let's let God be the judge of that. If God wants to strike him down, he'll shut it down, y'all. Okay, again, I'm not endorsing him. What I'm saying is that behavior and that mindset, so we should be grateful. 
Amen. We want to be a grateful kind of people, thankful for what God is doing in our family, thankful for what God is doing in our home, thankful for what God is doing in our church. I think it's better life to be thankful than it is just to sit there and be like, I ain't even, I ain't real. <laughs> Calm down, son. See, what happens is we've become so accustomed to finding problems with everything. Like, we can spot a problem anywhere. Like, we, some of you, well, you're going to twitch in the restaurant today because you're going to see one little thing that just throws you off. Like, oh, I'm writing a review on this restaurant. Simba can't stop. <laughs> Cynthia just whispered something to me. Stop. <laughs> she mentioned somebody's name. You need to repent, baby. That's wrong. I want you to know this. Good things are happening everywhere. In fact, good things are happening in your life. They really are. You say, but I got problems. We all do. But when our problems are greater, when all we see is problems and we can't see the good things that God is doing, it's not because of what God's doing. It's not other people. It's us. Older brother syndrome. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm running out of time, but i got to squeeze this story in. One time my mom was out. My dad was working. And uh, I had three brothers. We all stayed home in the summer while the parents were out at work. And uh, I'm telling you, we would fight all the time. Like reenact wrestling moves that we watched on Monday night. <laughs> and my youngest brother, Blake, this is awesome. I hope he listens to this podcast. Uh, one day, my mom was out at work. My dad was out at work. We were home, and I was trying to get him to do something that we were supposed to finish before my parents got home, and he wasn't doing it. And he just started saying, why? Because we need to do it. Why? Because if they don't, if we don't do it, they're going to kill us when, when they get home. Why? <laughs> and, you know, you start using a little bit more coarse language with your siblings than what you would use with other people. It's like... Just shut up and do it. I know some of you, you don't say that, and that's like profanity in your house. But when you're like 12 and your brother won't do what, you, what he's supposed to do, you get aggressive. And so we're going back and forth, and I was like, do not ask why again. And he just, for a second, he held it. And then he said, why? And I just grabbed the nearest thing. And there was a big phone book. And I grabbed that phone book, and I just started beating him with the phone book. And I know some of you right now are like, God, our family is so much better than that. <laughs> oh, man, we feel so much better about our Others of you are like, we're out of here. We're not coming to this church anymore. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't grateful for my brother in that moment. <laughs> I had to work through some things. Yeah, I didn't want to go to Christmas that year. <laughs> Good things are happening, and let's not take them for granted because bad things have happened. Let's still be able to thank God and worship God, even when the kids act like little monsters on the way to church. Even when your spouse says, I don't want to go today. Even when your boss says, I need you to finish this before the break. Like, 
can we still be grateful? Like, it's easy to be grateful when everything is good. But can we be grateful when it's just chaos? Why do I say that? Because this is not just a reaction to things that are happening. It's the person that we are choosing to be. I want to be a grateful person, regardless of the chaos, the people, the silliness, the stubbornness, whatever is going on. I want to be a grateful person. Like, I, and I really think that these are the kinds of things we've got to put our effort into is being grateful. Amen? Amen? So as we're talking to like Thanksgiving right now, some of us are like, I'm just thinking gravy, but I'm really trying to give you the real gravy that you need to put in your life. This is it. It's being grateful. Grateful gravy kind of works. Need some grateful gravy. So watch this, Philippians 3.1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens. You say, well, what if this happens? Whatever. And rejoice in the Lord. Well, what if that happens? Whatever. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be grateful. Why? Because this is the kind of person I am choosing to be. That's what I want my legacy to be, to be a thankful person. Now, here's the second one. In order for me to be grateful, I have to be graceful. And every dude right now is like, I'm out. That's just too pretty of a word for me. Graceful. It's hard to be grateful if we're not graceful. So grace, I want you to think of this word. It's not just a girl's name, okay? It's this unmerited favor of God. In other words, God's saying, I'll give you something you don't deserve. You don't deserve forgiveness, but I want to give it to you because I love you. Yeah, but God, I've done a lot of bad things. I know, I saw every one of them. (laughs) But I love you, and I don't like you being away from me. So I want to save you, forgive you, and help you to start over. And some of you are like, well, you're just letting them get away with it. No, because grace doesn't end at forgiveness. It starts. Because now the grace of God is going to teach me godliness. Go read it in the book of Titus chapter 2. It's in there. promise you. So the grace of God is helping me to become more like God. Think of this. And a lot of people are trying to do Christianity without grace, and you can't do it. They feel like grace is grease. I'm just letting people get away with everything. It's not grease. It's grace, and it's awesome, and it's powerful, and it's life-changing because it gives people like you and I another chance when we really didn't deserve it because I know that every one of us this week, as hard as we've tried, we've sinned. And imagine God saying, you've asked too much forgiveness. I'm done with you. No. God's like, I'm glad you're back. I'll forgive you, but let's start working on this because we got to change it because this is separating you from me every single time. So let's change it. That's where the grace of God comes in. In fact, watch this. The enemy of grace, guess what it is? It's pride. It's pride. We can't give grace to others. Why? Because of pride. I don't want to be wrong. And if I forgive them, then it makes me look like I'm the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. They are. Can I just say this? There is no one good, not one. This is what Jesus said. There is no one good, not one. But what makes us good is the grace of God. So if I'm full of grace, it's going to help me to be grateful. My thankfulness is directly connected to God's grace in my life. And listen, it's awesome to receive grace, but it's challenging to give it. I need it, 
But for grace to really take effect in my life, not only do I need to receive it, but I also need to give it. Amen? That's how I know that I'm being changed because I'm giving what God has given me. I'm not just getting it to get away with stuff, but I'm getting it to be changed. And when I begin to give it to others, it multiplies in my own life. Are you grabbing this today? It's sad that we're afraid of becoming too graceful. It's sad that we're afraid that we're going to have too much grace. Because we want to make sure that we're people of truth. Right? Like, yeah, you want to be graceful, but hey, people need the truth because the truth sets them free. Amen? And I'll preach that message right there with you. But here's the deal, though. If we just preach truth and we don't have grace, guess what? We're just mean. Truth without grace is just mean. And there's a lot of people in disciplining their children. I'm going to say it because I already said a lot already. And y'all, y'all, I don't know if you're mad or what. You can get coffee afterwards. But anyway, there's been a lot of truth given to our kids and raising them, but not a lot of grace. Trust me, this has been something I've had to work on so much. And my kids are like, hey, man, preach that thing. We're better at telling them the truth. because Why? Because we're afraid that if they keep doing that, and sometimes it's the very things that we do. They're going to come just like us. So we just keep giving them truth, keep giving them truth. And the very thing that we needed at that stage in our life wasn't just truth. We needed some grace to go right along with it. Amen. How many times have we heard him say, just give me a break? What is our legacy going to be? That's why I wanted to bring this up today. Because what will our legacy be? Am I going to be grateful or am I going to be graceful? Or am I going to have that older brother syndrome? Am I going to become somebody that everybody else is talking about, the obvious thing in the room, but everybody sees it but me? Is that what I want my legacy to be? Like, is that what you want your legacy to be? To be the person that can just walk in the room and find every single problem? Or do you want your legacy to be the one that even though there is problems in the room, can still bring hope, can still bring light, can still praise God. Can say, Listen, you cannot wait for everything to be perfect before you do what you think you need to do because it's never, ever going to happen. You can't wait for them to play the perfect song before you lift your hands. Seriously. Oh, I'm not going to clap until they play this song. What if we never play it? You stand before God, God's going to be like, why you didn't clap? They never played my song. He might say, who's it about, you or me? I mean, just checking. I want us to ponder these things because I think this is some foundational stuff. This is the, th the kind of things that we overlook a lot of times. I want to finish with this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. God's amazing grace has made me who I am. So we're going into the holiday. Not just the holiday anytime, but as we're going into the holiday, make it a point. I'm gonna be grace, I'm gonna be grateful this year. But if I'm gonna be grateful, I gotta be graceful. I need to show some grace. And I see I've seen this in my own life. When I start showing grace to others, they start showing grace to me. When I give others mercy, they give me mercy. There's that verse that says give and it'll 
come back to you. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be that older brother that's always got an opinion? Or do you want to be the person that can say, God, thank you for what you're doing? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time together today. These words are so real and so challenging. God, we we need your grace to help us be who you want us to be. Instead of letting all these life situations dictate who we're becoming. So, Lord, I ask you to change our hearts today and help us to see that your grace is so great that it can change our lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, if you're away from God, many people would try to tell you that the judgment of God is against you. But I want you to, I want you to know today that the promise of heaven is here for you. And God would open the door saying, hey, I want you. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. I want to change your life. And if you're here today and you're away from God, today a response to his grace can change you forever. Definitely there are some truths that need to be learned. But right now, the truth that you need to hear is that God's grace can save you. It can change you. And by simply putting your faith in God, you activate the grace that covers, that saves, that forgives, that changes your life. And we want to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. We do this every Sunday. We pray it out loud, and I'm going to ask you to do the same. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me grace, even when I didn't deserve it. And I ask you today to forgive my sins, to give me a fresh start, a new beginning. I choose today to give you my life. Thank you for going to the cross to die for my sins so that I can be free. I confess you now. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate today because somebody made a decision. Somebody said, I'm responding to God.